opportunity to be able to uh, come up in front of y'all and, and, and speak um, on one of the stories of faith. Uh, I, I'm, again, I'm super excited. I, I just got back from uh, vacation. Um, well, I took my kids to Disneyland. So, I mean, it was vacation-ish. Um, but we had fun. We had plenty of time uh, uh, to take breaks, and we strategically planned and all that stuff. But that was the second week kind of away from home. So I haven't, this is my first week kind of back home um, because of SMI. And SMI was, I mean, it was such a blast. Uh, some of the students are here. Some of them are wearing their shirts. Um, so I'm encouraged by that. It was, it was an awesome week where we got to spend uh, seeing these students take on the task of administering the gospel and witnessing to people that need truth. And it was, I was blown away at the conversations and the heart of these students being able to go and, and just do and, and have some amazing conversations. It was, it was so cool. But I know that they were faced with some struggles. Uh, they had to go through a ton of training. Uh, not to mention a lot of them were like, ah, the talking to people. A little background for me, just so I, I'm not trying to, you know, whenever I talk with them, it wasn't because it was coming from a place of, you'll be fine, just do it. I have, in case you didn't know, a tremendous fear of public speaking. And seeing all your faces smile at that just kind of makes me go, oh yeah, there it is. It's No, I already did my praying and all that stuff before. We're good now. The Holy Spirit's taking over. So, um, I... I have a tremendous fear of public speaking. I mean, it goes back to when I was a kid. I remember trying to, you know, go anywhere. I remember, blo- remember Blockbuster? I haven't brought this up at any other service. It just, I don't know why it made me think of it, but it was like, Mom, they don't have this video game. She's like, well, go up to the front and see if they have it. I'm like, oh, I don't want to. Well, ha- they might have it. Somebody might have turned it in. Oh, I don't want to. Well, I'm not going to do it for you. Mom, can we just check when we go up there? No, go ask them. No, I don't want to. Fine, I'll have your sister go with you. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Going all the way through high school, and just I remember like, okay, where's the furthest place from the teacher's desk? Okay, there it is. That's the place I'm going to hide. And I just pray that they don't call on me to say, now stand up and say your name and something interesting about yourself. Because I'm like, "Uh, my name is Manny, and uh, I don't really have anything. And it's like, "What, what was that? And then they make you stand up and take a longer time. It's like, Please, for the love of God, let me sit down. Like, it, it, was, it was really bad. So I, I, I know that the students, as they were going out there, it just that, that, that struggle to uh, knock on somebody's door, you know, at one point in the week and be able to say, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? That was hard. That was difficult. Um, this, uh, a couple months back, you know, well before SMI, you know, Pastor Steve sat down, came into, you know, our, one of the rooms that we work out of and he goes, hey, I, we have a couple stories. We're going to go into the stories of faith. And um, there's some stories. Would you like to teach one? I'm like, yeah. And it ended up being the story of Moses. And for me, I was like, I love the story of Moses. Uh, I love teaching through Exodus. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite books. There's so much stuff. And so um, knowing that, there's a ton to cover. But I also know as soon as I said, yeah, I went, oh, no. I'm going to have to stand up in front of everybody and uh, uh, share my study and God's truth and all this stuff. And, and I know that his truth can stand on its own. But I also know 
for me to communicate and, and get that across, that's where I'm like, oh, they're going to judge me. But I know you're not. It's okay. Um, but I instantly thought, wow, I have to do this. Okay. It's going to be okay. And for me, the fact that I was going through the story of Moses um, and how I connect with them, it was just like, well, that makes sense. And that's going to help me kind of share a little bit about that because, you know, we know a lot about Moses. And one of those things was his ability to kind of go, ah, maybe I'm not the guy, right? Um, but I also know that there's, some, there, there's a lot to cover through Exodus, and we're not going to try and do that. We're going to go through uh, Hebrews and 11, and we're going to kind of see what the author is trying to point us to and kind of say, okay, what is these, not, not highlights, I'm not trying to take away from the reverence of the Word of God, but at the same time, what key factors in the story of Moses is the author trying to point us to so that it can point us to something different. Um, so if you're okay with it, I'm not an Old Testament scholar, but I love the Old Testament. We'll walk through this and kind of build this truth that we can take with us. And maybe it's not just something we need to realize, but as I've been able to talk with people after services, something we need to be reminded of. This truth that we can find in this story um, that we can continue to live out our lives um, so if you're okay with that, let's go ahead and dive right in. We're going to be reading out of Hebrews 11, uh, verse 23. I'm reading out of the ESV, but follow along with your translation. It pretty much lines up with most. Um, but this is what it says, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. Uh, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Now, there's a piece that stood out as I was studying um, that caused me to kind of say, well, what are we dealing with? What's going on here? Uh, because while we see in verse 25 and 26, he's choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the word. Now, obviously, they're not, they don't have the Messiah at this point. So, you know, when we're talking about what's happening and, and what is he trying to get at, again, as we look at the theme of Hebrews and what they're trying to do specifically with this hall of faith, it's what are they trying to point us to? And this is what the author was trying to get at this piece. What are they trying to point us to? Uh, as I did a little bit of a, a small word study I actually want to read through the NIV, uh, New International Version's translation of this because I think it hits home with what the author is really pointing at. And this is what it says. He chooses to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Looking ahead to his reward, regarding the disgrace for the sake of Christ as something greater than what he had experienced, he could ever hope to experience under the provision of the world. 
But this is not met without opposition. In fact, that's going to be our big focus for today is this faith facing opposition. And as we build our truth, this is what we're going to start with, a faith facing opposition. And I think it's important that we start here and start looking at, okay, so then what does Moses' story show us? What does it point us to? What is it giving us? What is, what is God trying to, to speak through this person? Um, and we'll get to kind of what that means and even what that looks like later. But what are some things you know about Moses? Well, you know, he was born and he had to be kind of kept secret, right? He was born, kept secret. They hid him, right? It says in the passage. And this was this first place of opposition. That before he was even born, there was already this, 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 this edict. The king, the pharaoh had put this law out there and was like, I want all the firstborn. Well, why? Well, there's this, if we pay attention, they specifically describe Moses a certain way when he was born. Right there in the passage, it says, the child was beautiful. They saw the child was beautiful. The NIV says, they saw that he was no ordinary child. Even in Acts chapter 7, verse 20, it says, at this time Moses was born and he was beautiful in God's sight. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 says, now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when, they, when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When our identity relies solely on Christ, there's, there's something that happens. We are set apart. It causes us to kind of stand out from the background of the world and all the craziness and all the noise and the darkness and the brokenness. And yes, we are broken too, but again, our faith and our identity and who Jesus is allows us to be set apart. Sanctification, to be set apart, made holy. These are things that come with our faith. And specifically when we're talking about faith and facing opposition, we know that it's important because we see that this child stood out. That the faith of his parents allowed them to see God's value and purpose in him, even at that age. And it kind of causes us to kind of start looking at the climate that we're dealing with today. That even before Moses was born, there was opposition. And even at birth, there's this opposition against value and purpose. And this isn't just to kind of say the the Pharaoh is doing it for no reason. What, what are we dealing with when we're talking about this term that he threw out there and said, hey, if the Hebrew women have a male child, get rid of it. It wasn't just because he was trying to destroy, but he saw a threat. We see him recognizing the promise in Abraham's lineage that God had been faithful with, right? We see Abraham remaining faithful and God providing and multiplying his descendants, right? More than the stars in the sky. And Pharaoh recognizes and he says, this is more than just a small group of people or even a large group of people. This is a threat. It's an opposition. So then he orders this thing to happen. It was God's fulfillment of his promise to Abraham that even the Pharaoh recognized that, uh, that caused this opposition. Eventually, couldn't be hidden anymore. His mother cast him into, a, uh, into the river in a basket, right? Came downstream. Pharaoh's daughter collected him, adopted him. Side note, 
I'm a comic book nerd, and the Superman origin is actually based on the story of Moses. That one's free, no charge, you're welcome. But, so he gets adopted, and he gets, uh, gets ingrained, and becomes a part of this, this life, and he has the best lifestyle, wealth, security, education, right? All this stuff for the first part of his life. But then at some point he figures out that he's not Egyptian. We see at this point that he identifies with the people of Israel, so he recognizes that he is a part of them. Felt a certain pain, a conviction for the people enslaved by Pharaoh. He stood up against this oppressive rule, drove him out of Egypt because then he became a wanted man because of those convictions. It caused him to do some crazy things. We know Moses killed this man who was trying to beat on this slave tried to hide it, that didn't work. Then all of a sudden he's like, oh no, what do I do? I'm going to flee. I'm going to go run. I'm gonna... He kind of became an exile because he was wanted. Wandering in a place that wasn't his home, didn't identify Egypt as his home. So this is kind of where Moses lands. Sometimes opposition isn't a physical isn't just the physical resistance that we would expect. For Moses, this next opposition was against authority or law that was in conflict with his conviction for the people of Israel, the people that God had placed purpose and value. Eventually, that led him to settle down in Midian, uh, had a family, a whole separate life. Um, Nothing like what he had before, though. So he lived this first third of his life with what some would consider uh, a life with substantial value and purpose, right? Having this sort of lavish lifestyle, well, at least what the world defines as value and purpose, right? But again, I love that piece in Hebrews 11 where it says, regarding the disgrace for the sake of Christ. They didn't have the Messiah yet, so it wasn't like something we have. But rather like what Pastor Dan talked about last weekend, if you weren't here, uh, for that, he talked about a faith focusing forward. It was this, this moment where it wasn't just what they were looking at here, but something they were focused on, you know, to look forward to. Then he began this second third of his life, almost in exile in a land that wasn't his, even naming his son Gershom, which means sojourner, somebody that's temporarily moving through. And we can kind of identify with that. That as we're moving through this world, there's a lot of things that are in place where it's like, this isn't my home. I'm meant to dwell here, but this isn't my final resting place. God has purpose and value, and I know that I have a place in heaven. If not, Jesus would have told us so, right? Amen? But we're meant to glorify God through our lives that we have now, even though moving through temporary status, but being citizens of heaven, glorifying God, being able to have faith in the face of opposition. And this has been the theme, right, throughout Hebrews, this hall of faith, this journeys where they've uh, uh, moved away from where they've called home to a better place. And God called, called Moses to accomplish some amazing things in the name of the Lord. But there was still resistance, mostly because Moses was bringing up the, well, you know, and we'll get to that in a second, but don't we have all this kind of same opposition that we're going to recognize with Moses? This, this, this opposition, again, that's not just physical, 
but this opposition of inadequacy. I'm not capable. I'm not able. Exodus chapter 3, as God's calling them out to go and lead his people out of Egypt, Moses responds. Chapter 3, verse 11 in Exodus says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and being children of Israel out of Egypt? So right off the bat, who am I? What value do I have? Can I really serve that kind of purpose? That's a lot. Chapter 4, verse 11 in Exodus, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Chapter 4, verse 10, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. There's fears and anxieties and things that keep us frozen from stepping into the call that God places in our lives. And those oppositions can cause us to question God's value and purpose that he has in our life. I'm going to share a story with you. Um, some of you have heard it already, but, you know, I've only been here at Desert Springs for about, like, seven months, and it's been amazing. Uh, one of the things that Pastor Steve has mentioned as I've made the transition here has been, you know, we, we offered him the position, and he said no to us the first time. Well, yes and no. What happened was, um, I was just in a season where I was trying to figure out God's next step for me and, and, and my family and, and what he wanted me to do in ministry and things like that. And I was happy and I was content with where I was, so it wasn't like I was seeking out a position. So when Desert Springs approached me and Trevor approached me, I was kind of like, okay, this is interesting. I've never thought about leaving the church that I was at. I had a lot of ties to that church. Um, so I was like, I got to think about that. That's a, that's a big decision. Uh, that's an uprooting. So after about a week of, of prayer and, and tears and just trying to figure all this out, I finally called uh, Pastor Trevor and I was like, hey, look, thank you so much for considering me for this position. Like, this is such an amazing church. I see the fruits that comes out of Desert Springs. You know, I know uh, 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 Pastor Kyle over at Mission and I'm, I, Pastor Robbie, and I'm like, I, I see, like, the mission that Desert Springs has. I go, but at this point, I don't know if I can say yes yet. And because I can't give you a thousand percent confident like I'm in, I'm going to step aside because I don't want to hold you up from somebody that God is trying to place in this position. Maybe some, God's got somebody better. Maybe God's got somebody that is supposed to be there for you guys and take on this position. And I don't want to get in the way because I think that, well, maybe I'm the guy. I want God to clearly tell me that this is it. And I can't clearly give you that yet. So for the sake of the benefit of the ministry and, and maybe there's somebody that is a better candidate, I'm going to just for now say no. Long story short, I'm here. And I'm so glad I'm here. Absolutely no regrets. But I also, with Moses, chapter 4, verse 13 in Exodus, he said, oh my Lord, please send somebody else. 
you kind of get to a point where those fears and that opposition and whatever it is, whether it's physical, spiritual, mental, whatever that you're struggling with, like it causes us to doubt and maybe God's like, I've given you the opportunity. I've made a way. And in fact, even though we feel or see or experience things like this, a faith-facing opposition as we build on provides a way. And God will make those ways clear. But sometimes, again, we feel that resistance, that personal critique, and we're our worst critics. We can sit here and people will be like, oh, oh yeah, that was so awesome, I love you, and, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, praise God. We're our worst critics. I could have said this different. I could have done this better. I could have talked to this person better. And listen, we're going to mess up. We're broken. We're going to mess up. We're going to have slip-ups. But that's not what God is focused on. God is focused on the value and purpose that he's given your life so that we can step into that call even when we face those oppositions, even when we face those inadequacies and us being incapable at times. Because we're not. But God is. So as we start looking and building this truth, we have to realize that God provides that way. God provided what Moses needed to face what he feared Exodus chapter 3, after he says, who am I to lead the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt? God said, but I will be with you. Exodus 4.11, then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. See, God is with us. God provides that way. When we have faith in that opposition, even though we feel like, I don't know if I'm capable, God's like, that's okay, because I'm with you. God, I don't know if I can speak well. That's okay, because I'm with you. My wife makes fun of me and pokes at me a little bit, because sometimes I have this southern draw that comes out, and when I'm around my dad, it gets a little worse, and she just says, I don't know where this comes from, but, you know, for me, every time I listen to myself, like, I'll go back and watch, my, you know, the preachings and, and teachings and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, what did I say? How can I study? How can I do better? You know, that kind of stuff. Because we want to we be able to make sure we're presenting the Word of God and, and doing it in a good way. Sometimes we get so tied up that before we even step on stage or step in front of that person that God has placed in front of us, we're already judging ourselves and saying, you're going to say something dumb. You're going to say something that's not going to be accurate. You're going to probably say something that's going to offend somebody. We're already critiquing ourselves. But God is with us. God tells us what we need to say. God speaks to our hearts when we have that faith, and he provides that way. Even to the point where we see faith that leads to paths unseen, right? Looking at the Red Sea, the story of Moses, Moses was like, all right, let's go, we're doing this. And then all of a sudden they hit a brick wall or a sea. And the people are like, what are we doing? This, like, they're coming at us, Moses, what do we do? And the, even this doubt and question of maybe slavery would have been better than this freedom that you're calling us to. And it's like, whoa. Because fear and anxiety and that opposition, that type of opposition, it causes us to, to think illogically. And it's easy for us to be comfortable. It's easy for us to, when we face opposition, standing firm in our faith, to just stand back, to stay quiet, to live a life that doesn't reflect Jesus because that opposition is strong. 
And that disgrace for the sake of Christ is very present. Oh, you believe in that? Let me tell you why you're wrong. Well, I mean, let me tell you why I stand in truth. But our response sometimes isn't that. It's, well, you know, uh, we try to make excuses and do things like that. And I pray that that's not the situation. I pray that all of us are able to step into those kind of opposition and be able to say, I believe in what I believe in, and I can lead you to show you why I believe in that. And again, this is why we're, we're building this truth. It's not because I'm trying to say because I said so or because the Bible said so. Yes, the Bible says it, but we need to understand why. We need to be able to build that. We need to have a witness. We need to be able to have confidence. Having a faith that kept him living uh, a way that pointed to God, right, Moses, even though he didn't see the promise this side of eternity, not answering the promised land, kind of... At times, I, I look at Moses and what he dealt with with the people and the bickering and all that stuff, and I'm sorry, high school students, but he kind of sounds like a youth pastor. Dealing with all the, the, well, and why not, and this would have been better, and all that stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, he would have been, been like writing books on youth, on youth ministry. But in spite of not seeing, that's not what Moses' faith offered him. In fact, he left that fleeting pleasure, the instant gratification, the glory here on this earth for the glory in heaven that God offers. I know for me, as I, as I think back in my past, like there was times where we're at the grocery store as a 25-year-old couple married and have our own apartment and going, I hope we have room on our credit card for groceries this week. And that only gives a Band-Aid to we have to consider next month's rent. And now we're talking about like $500. I wish my rent and mortgage was still $500 in Tony right now. But the, the, the opposition, the fear, and it's like now I look back on it and I'm so thankful God has brought me where he's brought me and my family. And it's not because I'm an amazing individual, but it's because the faith that I placed in him and the path that he's created for me that has allowed me to have confidence. It's real easy to place confidence in ourselves, to place confidence in the things of this world, but when we're facing opposition and we have a faith that allows us to see that path unseen and those ways that God is moving in our lives and the way he's impacting the people around us, it produces a confidence. Well, confidence in what? I'm going to work a little backwards now. So now that we've fleshed out this statement, faith facing opposition provides a way that produces confidence. We have to realize where that confidence is. Because it's not in ourselves or our ability. We can see that in Moses. I know I can speak that. Like, it's not in my own ability. It was not a confidence in something that Moses could see tangibly, even though they had these remarkable signs and things that God was using to speak to them. And even Moses specifically, right, going up to the mountain and the, the Ten Commandments, the ta- like, Tower of like, oh my goodness, if I would have been in, in the presence of all this, like, I, I pray I wouldn't be like the people and be like, this is God, I'm, let's go, I'm sold. You don't even got to say anything, like, let's do this. But it wasn't that. That wasn't the point. 
It was a faith in the future promise, the things unseen, a foretelling of something better, as the author of Hebrews suggests. For us, it's a confidence in the gospel. And Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. It's not a blind faith. Uh, that's not what we're dealing with. Instead, we have a faith that can stand in the face of opposition and can cause us to live for the promise of tomorrow, not focused on the treasures of today as the world tries to offer us. A faith, a faith that allows us to, even in the reproach of Christ, not letting us linger in the worries or the disgrace in that decision that we receive from the world, but it lets us have a faith-facing opposition, providing a way for us to have confidence that also inspires confidence in others. Our statements engage with God, connect with others, live on mission. These are ways we're able to have um, us live out the gospel, be able to engage, get in his word, be able to, to, to go to God and establish that faith that allows our paths to intersect with others, but most of all, have a, a, a access to the Father through Jesus. But it also gives us that confidence to be able to live on mission. It gives us a confidence that even when it's like, oh, this, is, this is hard, this is difficult, I'm not comfortable with it, I'm not equipped for this, God's like, I, I, I got you. I'm going to lead you. I'll be with you. Whether it's views, beliefs, laws, convictions, it's a regarding the disgrace for the sake of Christ is of greater value than the treasures of this world because we are looking ahead to our reward. Moses had faith that did not rely on the now, but the future promise he accepted through that faith. We have a new covenant in Jesus, the better sacrifice, the lamb. There's a portion there in Hebrews where it talks about keeping the Passover and how he, by faith Moses kept the Passover. And it was this foretelling, right? They had this 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 thing that they did so that God can find favor in them and pass over them. But now we have something that was able to see here that points us to the better Passover lamb. Now we place our faith in Jesus and we have eternity because of it. Our sins are made clean. When I look at this idea of the hall of faith, it it, it kind of transports me back, you know, with video games and comics and all that stuff too, but like I just envision this castle hallway with 20-foot pictures of kings and, and people of, of uh, uh, importance where they have, they're donning their medals or their swords or their shields or whatever. It's like this lineage and I'm like, but like that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with this, this section, this piece um, this whole, you know, story, whether it's Abraham, Moses, and all the people that we're going to get into, of not just their accomplishments, but the author was trying to get us to look at these people so that it can point us to God's faithfulness. Not our ability, not just our, even our own faith. Like our faith should, again, inspire that confidence not only in us but in others, but it should be pointing us to Someone better, something better, Jesus. It points to a strength, a power, a path, a confidence that solely relies on Christ. 
And I challenge us this week, where is our focus? Are we facing opposition and taking it head on and trying to understand how that faith can produce that, that confidence and provide that path in our lives so that we can look back and just be able to just say, it's not me. It was nothing I ever did. There's no way I can describe my life, the journey that I'm on right now, without Jesus. I want to leave you with this, this illustration. There's a, a podcast that I listen to called Heart of the Bison, and it's a faith-based podcast. And I was always like, what is the deal with the bison, like the heart of the bison? I don't get it. And they explained it one time, and I, I looked it up, and, and, and it's something that is to be known, uh, that the bison, when there's a storm coming, other animals will actually run away or try and run around the storm. But the bison have this mentality where they actually lean into the storm and go through it because they know the quickest way to get through it is to go into it. Because there will be clarity. There will be peace on the other side. The storm's not going to last forever. So rather than go around and spend all that time to eventually have to still get caught in that storm or doubt or question, now we're trying to tie it back into our faith. I'm not trying to run away from what God is trying to have us do. I'm not trying to run away from the calling that God has placed on our lives. Those fears and anxieties can cause us to, to lose focus and lack that confidence in order to do that. So for us, that heart of being able to say, I can go through this, that Jesus is still Jesus even in the storm. Psalm 23, I am not meant to dwell in this valley of darkness. This isn't my final place. But God has prepared something for me. He's also given me peace to be able to endure those, those times of opposition. So how are we facing it? Are we focused on that? Are we focused on those fears and anxieties and all those things that are trying to keep us from God using us in these impactful ways to be able to live on mission, share the gospel, be able to point people, not to us, but to Jesus. Mm -hmm.